Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Are you ready to build your small scale life? Welcome back to a new episode of the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and I'm really excited to be back behind the microphone. In this Small Scale Life Podcast episode, I'm going to be talking about gardening tips and advice with my Texas Tornadoes, Drew Demler and Michael Bell. In case you don't know who Drew Demler and Michael Bell are, well, here's a quick introduction. Drew Demler is the Director of Horticulture at Big Tex Urban Farms in the State Fair of Texas. Big Tex. While Big Tex is a big hydroponic operation, Drew also grows vegetables at his house along his driveway. Michael Bell is the owner and operator of Dallas Half Acre Farms. When not planting thousands of salad green plugs at 5 o'clock in the morning, he enjoys pumping iron in the gym in his garage. Both of these guys are fantastic. I had a really good time talking to them. I've been holding on to this podcast episode for quite some time. It was recorded back in May 2020. So uh, we were right at the beginning of the garden season. Now we're at the end. We've got eight inches of snow falling in the Twin Cities. I think they're getting more snow today. And uh, the garden season is over, but the gardening tips and advice are great. They're lit. Even if you're a veteran gardener, if you're a brand new gardener, this will help. Both gentlemen give some great gardening tips and advice that we can all use, whether you're brand new and this is your first year gardening or you're a seasoned vet of many garden season, and it'll help us improve our gardens and the quality of our plants. I'm really excited to bring this podcast episode to you. Before we get going, though, we are going to do the Hall of Heroes. As we said in our last podcast episode, number 173, it's hard to have a bad day when you start your day with gratitude. And we're starting each small scale. Life podcast with shout outs and recognition to folks who have been part of our community doing great things. And I uh, just wanted to recognize some folks here. So we have Adam from A Modern Frontier for a wonderful invitation to hang out with Drew Demler and Michael Bell for spending time to be on the show and sharing their expertise and experience with us. That was great, guys. Really do appreciate it. We have Dan and Pam for liking, posting, commenting. We have Dan, Sue, and Jules for their work on Eagles Ridge. Oh, my gosh. We've been so busy there. And I can't wait to tell you about Eagles Ridge. Something happened this week, and it's like, I can talk about it now. Yes. So it's pretty exciting. So get ready for that. We'll talk about Eagles Ridge and introduce you to that project very soon. And then we've got the 13 people, the 13 brave souls who stood out with me in the pouring rain in Waukesha, Wisconsin this week. Thank you all. Probably not listening to this podcast, but I really have to thank them for their um, for their dedication to safety and doing, doing the good work uh, with me out there this week. So thank you all for listening to this podcast episode. And if you want to shout out in our next Hall of Heroes, Hall of Heroes. Get active and participate on Small Scale Life. We'll do shout outs. We'll give you some recognition. And again, the question is, what are you grateful for? Think about it. And maybe you should tell that person or that organization. Give that a try this week. See where it takes you and just be grateful. Start practicing gratitude and being grateful for the good, the bad and the ugly in our lives. All right, everybody, let's get into it. We've got gardening tips and advice from Drew Demler and Michael Bell. We've got a lot of experience over the years. We've done a lot of gardening. We've done good things. We've done, we've had not so good things happen in the garden, but we all have good gardening tips and advice that would be beneficial for new and veteran gardeners. 
on smallscalelife.com. I do break the gardening tips and advice down to 11 do's and four do not do's for gardeners. So check that out at smallscalelife.com. The post is titled Gardening Tips and Advice with Demler and Bell, episode 174. Find that link. You can go check all those 11 do's and the four don'ts and... And if you have some gardening tips and advice, if you have something that's working for you, let us know. I would love to know. I'm always looking for hacks. I'm always looking for ways to do things better. I don't know everything. I'm happy to learn. That's why we do say learn, do, grow, be a little better every day. Share them in the comments below this or send us an email at realsmallscalelife at gmail.com. As I always say, you can learn something new each time you step into a garden. There's always something to learn there. Learn. Do grow and be a little better every day. This is how we start. So feel free to share your comments, your tips, your hacks, your stuff that's working for you. Maybe stuff that isn't. That might be an interesting show too. We can dig into that. And without further ado, we are going to start our gardening tips and advice with Demler and Bell, episode 174 here on the Small Scale Life. Remember to learn, do grow and be a little better every day. Thank you, gentlemen, for being on the Small Scale Life podcast. I have two great people today. I call them my Texas tornadoes. I've got Drew Demler from Big Tex Urban Farms and also Michael Bell, the Mr. Muscle himself from Dallas Half Acre Farm. Gentlemen, welcome to the Small Scale Life podcast. Glad you're here. Drew, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure, sure. I'm Drew Demler. Um, I've been lucky enough to have been a, a guest once before on your podcast. I appreciate you having me back. I'm the uh, official title is Director of Horticulture for the Great State Fair of Texas. Um, and the thing that keeps me most busy is is my hydroponic greenhouse. But I do still do a lot of outdoor growing as well in these little custom-made planter boxes. And the best, the coolest part is we get to donate all of the food that we grow to those in need. So that's me. Very cool, very cool. And then Mr. Michael Bell, Mr. Muscle himself. What's up, guys? I'm Michael Bell. I own Dallas Half Acre Farm, and I've been on Tom's show five or six times. So if you've listened to any of them before, you've probably heard me before. Absolutely, and I'll make sure to have links to all the podcasts you all have been on. And what's great is um, Drew has got a wonderful frowny face background. I'm in the basement creation station dungeon. And then Michael Bell is in a pristine environment on his farm right in front of his shed. And it is golden. So this is, this is really cool to bring you guys together. Thank you for, for your time. I think there's been a lot going on. So Drew, when we did our podcast, that was way back in September, we talked about a million meals and hydroponics. I, I mistakenly said aquaponics at the time, but that was a mistake. It's hydroponics, right? No fish. It's just hydroponics, really cool stuff. So what has happened since that point till today? Is anything new, anything exciting going on at Big Tex Urban Farms? You know, Tom, it's, it's crazy. We had a, a ton of, of projects lined up for this year. Um, and then the whole coronavirus thing exploded and like basically everything has been put on hold. Um, so we're just kind of at a maintenance. We're just maintaining what we have. I've been asked to work split shifts with my guys, but we are allowed to continue. So I don't really have too much new just yet. Um, it looks like I'm going to have a heck of a busy summer ahead of me. Like once the restrictions and so forth get lifted, um, we're planning on adding a shipping container farm oh, cool. on the side of my greenhouse. 
and uh, some kind of new stuff that I actually want to talk to you about what we're going to do with our outdoor growth space. Uh, wanted to do some wicking beds. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Mr. Bell, how about you? I mean, you we've got a podcast back in February. You've been on Small Scale Life a lot. We talked at that time about this pandemic and what have you seen on your farm? How are things going for you? Things are good. Weather sucks. Dallas <laughs> weather absolutely yep. sucks. It, it was 80 degrees. When was it 80? On the weekend, Drew? Over the weekend? It was in the 80s? Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, Sunday is 80. And then Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, it was in the high 30s. So it just, the weather sucks. But if you know it's coming, we, we I prepared for it. I covered, you know, I got yep. green beans three inches tall right now. And tomatoes, it's already got tomatoes on them. Peppers, it already got peppers on them. And I'm out here covering everything up, trying to keep the frost off of it. But it always happens this always. this time of the year. Around Easter, you always get a three or four day front that comes in that just is cold as hell and you just deal with it and move on. But forecast looks good now. So like I said, I've got green beans up. I've got zucchini that look beautiful. I've got squash that looks good. Like I said, tomatoes and peppers have everything on them. Um, so I'm rolling. I'm hoping to be selling my CSA baskets by June 1st. Man, you, you know right now that, that Tom is laughing at both of us. Huh? We're, we're, we're complaining about <laughs> upper 30s, and he's like under two feet of snow up there or something, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't feel bad for him, though. That's his, that's his choice. Well, I don't know if you guys can see this. This is my little uh, rain gutter grow system deal. Yeah, we had snow, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Can you all see that? Can you see it? I can. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we got snow this weekend. We've had snow squalls all week. Uh, we were dipping down to the in the 25 degrees or less during the day, and uh, yeah, it's. we'll talk about that. But yeah, I, I have, yeah. I get it. it, and we all have weather problems, and Mother Nature is not done kicking us in the gut yet. That's for sure. So never, never. So I've got tomatoes, I've got uh, herbs, I've got lettuce popped up, I got basil popping up, I've got peas popping up, I've got uh, yeah, sweet potatoes coming. So I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I screwed up. <laughs> we'll talk about that, but it's cool. So Drew, what do you got growing right now? What's what's growing in the greenhouse and everything? I've got, you know, I have just kind of almost every kind of green imaginable basically growing in there. But I tell you what, lately it's just been growing gangbusters. In fact, I posted a picture on my Instagram earlier today. Um, Bok choy is just going bananas. I don't know if it's just because we're getting more light in there now or what. But, I mean, the heads are just huge right now, looking looking great. But I, uh, I also still have cucumbers. My bell peppers are growing gangbusters. Um, I'm doing jalapenos for the first time and they're looking really good in my Dutch buckets. So I got, still got a little bit of everything outdoors, potatoes, onions, uh, Swiss chards looking really good. Frost didn't bother it a bit, um, sailed right on through. So that's the highlights of what I've got going so far. Yeah. And it's just so different living up here in Minnesota and and y'all down there in Texas, you're just a whole light year ahead of us. <laughs> we still have permafrost and everything, but uh, it's, it's so, so much fun. And I, and as a content creator, that's something I always have to keep in mind is that you all are way ahead of us and I'm starting seedlings. You're putting them in the ground already. So that's, or I'm starting seeds. You're growing. So that's, that's something. So um, Michael's doing CSA boxes. That was a big shift this year, right? Cause you were selling to restaurants and everything last year and selling kind of one-offs to different vegans and everything. So you're doing CSA boxes this year, right, Mike? 
Yeah, I've still got my grocery store. I got two grocery stores. They're the same company. They just opened a really small new one. So that's nice. And uh, they still get my salad mix. And depending on how much I grow, I'll be honest with you, I really want to go with the CSA. When I first started my farm, you know, five years ago, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I don't know why. I think it's just de- dealing with people directly. I just love that. I love the the contact and the and the interaction I have with those people. And you don't have a middleman. Yeah. Like I think we've all I think we've all learned the last six weeks how important it is to go direct to the consumer. So um, I'll keep the grocery stores just because they've been really good to me, and it's not a bad market. I like selling to them and everything, but. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm going back to the CSA boxes, and the the demand is insane. Like I can say, I have an organic farm to ninety percent of the people, and ninety percent of the people I meet, like I want to buy. Mm. Like it's just I don't know. If people just got scared, you know, finding food with you know this pandemic, or thinking ahead, or you know what it is. But and literally, I can talk to anybody. I can be at the gas pump and they're like, what's all that mulch in the back of your pickup? Oh, I own a little farm and they'll be like, I want to buy. Yeah. How do I buy? How how do I buy your stuff? Like, well, you get on this piece of paper that I have at home called a waiting (laughs) list and you pray to God that I make a, I I produce a lot of stuff because you're way down the waiting list. (laughs) And and Drew, you're running a little different model where you're up and serving a whole community that's in a food desert. So um, it's not, it's not really a for-profit operation there. So if you could talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, uh, I'm actually, my farm is, is fully funded by the state fair of Texas, by the actual event itself. So I always jokingly tell people, yeah, I, I'm the, the farm funded by uh, corny dogs and uh Ferris wheel rides. Right. <laughs> um, and right now, Tom, I tell you what, I uh I've ne- I don't know how Michael feels, but right now doing what we're doing with the the donations, um, the produce is so scarce out there right now in our food desert in South Dallas, and I've never felt more appreciated for what I do than like the days when we're showing up. Like today, we did two different donations, two different drop offs, and you can just see how much it means to people. Is that the same for you right now, Michael? Doesn't it seem like like farmers are, are kind of uh, seen a little differently now in these times in a good way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I won't compare it to being like a rock star or NFL football player or anything, but it's definitely not a joke anymore when you say you're a farmer. Right. Like people, I think people appreciate it now. I think it's, there's appreciation that goes, that goes with it, and I think it's only going to grow the next six months, year, two years. Like, I don't know how far down the rabbit hole y'all have gone with this stuff that's going on with the dairy farms in Wisconsin having to dump milk in the fields. And, you know, these beef these beef producers have nowhere to, to slaughter their cows because the processing plants are shut down. Yep. I mean, there's some major stuff going on right now in the country that the news isn't reporting on that could be catastrophic in the next mm-hmm. six months to a year. So... I think people just appreciate what we do and they know it's good. Like, I don't know. I think maybe a combination of the pandemic and more people are waking up to just how bad grocery store food can be for you. Even Whole Foods and Sprout, how bad that shit really is compared to stuff that I grow or you grow, Drew, or even, you know, even Tom and his wicking beds in the backyard. The stuff that we grow is just so much better and healthier for people. And I think every day more people figure that out. Amen to that, man. 
I agree. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that, you know, I had that panel and we did a discussion about Victory Gardens. And that next weekend, we got on a, a similar Zoom call and um, we didn't record it or anything, but we were, our antennas were up because we were seeing the articles about dumping milk, um, dumping veggies out there in the field uh, because the restaurants were gone. And it's like, this is a real problem. And now with the, um, the, the uh, stockyards going down or the processing plants going down as they get suddenly get a virus. I mean, this is going to, this is going to have a ricochet effect. Uh, We were just talking over dinner about these small business loans that the whole thing is dried up. Now there's no money for small businesses. Well, small farm is a small business. There's no money out there anymore for, for, cause it, it all got distributed. So it's, it's really an interesting time, really scary time. And I think that's what you're feeling is, um, you know, you're seeing limits on meat, limits on eggs. I mean, my God, if you have chickens right now, you're styling cause you can actually get eggs and sometimes you can't get them. You know, it's, it's really been interesting to see how everything was available in 24 hour cycle. We could get, you could go to Walmart at three in the morning, get a whole bunch of eggs. And now you can't, you know, you can only limit one in the hours and you got to have six feet apart from each other. I mean, it's, it's totally different in a, just from when we recorded that podcast, Michael, to today, it's just completely different world. And, and, you know, Tom, I think even with, even if the pandemic wouldn't have happened, I think it would have been, I still think things would have been bad with the food because the ground is still so wet. We yep. still keep getting so much rain through the Midwest. The weather has playing such a role on farmers, especially these big scale farmers that have to have these massive tractors and massive plows and plow the field that it, it's going to, it would have had an effect on us anyway. I just think the the virus and everything that's going on with that is going to be using us as an escape goat, you know, kind of for lack of a better way of putting that because the weather is changing and I don't mean climate, like I don't mean global warming. I mean, the, the weather's just going to change and I'm going to leave it there because I'm not going to get in a big discussion and get hate mail because <laughs> of global warming BS people. But like the climate is changing and it's going to be wetter. We're going to have later frost. We're going to have earlier frost in the fall. The growing season is getting shorter, which it doesn't affect me too much because I can cover shit because I'm small. So like we can cover stuff up. We can yep. extend our seasons. You get a thousand acre farm. You ain't covering nothing up. Like you're at the, you're at the complete liability of the weather. So there, there's an old saying, I think I've said it on your podcast before, Tom, the world doesn't need another thousand acre farm. They need, the world needs 1,000 one acre farms. And, and I truly, truly believe that because we can cover stuff. You know, we can extend our season. We can do all the things that these thousand acre farms can't do. And I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. So what do you think, Drew? Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. You know, being being small gives you a lot of maneuverability that, like Michael was saying, the big guys just, they can't do that stuff. You know, it's just not scalable. It's not economically viable. I also think that we're close. And this may be a year or two away from when it's fully happens, or may, maybe even a couple more than that. but. We're going to have a labor shortage coming up down the pipeline soon, Tom. And I think that's going to change everything, everything. Drew, I don't think we're a year away. I think we're six weeks away. Really? I think, wow. we're, I think we're six weeks away from 
this country not having the the the, the labor to harvest crop man Mm. And because I mean nobody's coming from the migrant workers aren't coming the the, the borders closed on both sides like obviously yeah. the U.S. border has always been closed but people still came but they're not going to come this year they're, they're not going to come and they didn't there was a shortage last year in Idaho how many thousands of tons of potatoes were left in the fields to rot last year because they didn't get picked yeah and man you're seeing it in Florida I know I've seen that a number of stories coming out of Florida where they're just tilling the crops under. Yeah. yeah, well, this is the other thing with Florida, too, that I've seen that's going to be really bad that people – I don't think people realize. A lot of those farmers are going out of business because they sold to school districts. They sold to restaurants. They sold to yeah. hotel chains. And they have nowhere to sell their produce now. And, and like, they, like that's their entire spring crop. I mean – I know my school. You know, and that's, an, that's another point I wanted to make, too, about the small farmers that I think – is is in uh, in our advantage now is that we can quickly pivot and change markets right we're like those big thousand acre farms they're not they're not they can't do csa boxes for romaine lettuce you know what i mean <laughs> like whereas a smaller farmer can say oh man my business is screwed right now i better come up with something quick and you're seeing that with guys like even in our area, like with what Bender's doing, what Jeff Bender's doing, uh, Profound Food. And, yeah, and well, now look at it. See, you, you're a genius all along, right? Now you've got the perfect model all along, right, Michael? Tom, <laughs> please send me that 10-second clip where he just said, you're a genius. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah. going to make that my phone ring. Like Every time Drew calls me, that's what's going to show up on my phone is you're a genius. That's my new ringtone for Drew calling me. That's great. But, but I, no, I, you're you're exactly right, Drew. Everything you just said, you're you're exactly right. I, I am very, very pessimistic about agriculture on the big scale the next six months to six years. Yeah, and, and we've seen it. I mean, that's why the, the dairy farmers are dumping their milk. They can't sell it. They can't put it in the schools. Nobody's taking it. They can't figure out what to do with it. Or maybe the model is just broken. They can't think outside the box and, and react that fast. And I've seen those articles about the Florida uh, growers as well. They're in the same kind of conundrum. And uh, it it really, this whole thing is, and we've talked about this, Michael, um, everything is just so fragile. I mean, we ship grapes in from 3,000 miles on an airplane to sell at a grocery store and you're getting corn. Like there's corn available right now in some of our grocery stores around here. And it's like, where the heck is that coming from? And how far did it take to get here? It's, It's not sustainable. It's not resilient i mean everything has to be perfect for this perfect thing to work and it's not perfect anymore you know things are and it ain't gonna be perfect like we don't wake up tomorrow and shit's back to normal like everyone says that things never went back to normal after 9-11 and they didn't yeah and things will never go back to normal again after spring of 2020 it'll be a new normal yep when when they first shut everything down, they said, oh, our growth is going to be like this. We're going to come down and we're going to hit a trough and then go bloop, right back up and probably go like this. And it's like, mm, no, that ain't going to happen. It's going to take a long time to, to get to where things were, if that's even where we go anymore. Who knows? Yeah. It's not where we go anymore. No, it's not. I, I mean, everything's going to change. I think the way people do business, I think business has just figured out we don't need to pay $13,000 a month for an office building when we can just do everything on Zoom. Oh, God. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I, think, I think colleges have changed the way they do stuff. Like, I don't think 
going to a classroom and sitting anymore after this semester, I don't think it looks the same. I think 50% of colleges next year start changing their model to online online classroom. Yeah, the sad thing is I've got a college son right upstairs from right, right now doing some homework and he's doing it all online. And the problem is the price. Hmm. You think that's going down yet, gentlemen? <laughs> right. Classes? No. Yeah. And I teach I teach dri- to driver's ed students. We're all doing it online, Zoom meetings, just like this one. I'm going to have 70 students or whatever all lined up, and I'm just going to show the presentation, and away we go. Right. It's, and that's how we're going to do it. So it, things are it's scary, but we are at a point of great change right now, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I mean, we're going to find that some of these bosses, some of these workers that have been going to the cube land, they don't want to go back. Maybe this is this is better. I can get more work done, and we can yep. just do it. You know, I don't have to. And you know what, Tom? I'm so excited. Like, like everyone thinks this is such a bad thing. I'll wake up every day so damn excited about the new world that's coming. I can't even describe it. <laughs> like, I, am, I don't know if I like chaos or what, but I am. I'm really excited. And I hate the viruses here and I hate people losing their jobs and I hate all the bad stuff. But in two or three years from now, I'm so excited to see what the new world looks like. I can't even explain. I'm right there with you, man. And, and like, especially some of the stuff you're hearing about, like the pollution is way down, you know, yeah. and people are spending more time with their families. And every night, like my neighborhood is just flooded with people just out walking with their yes. kids, you know, yep. that, that stuff is good. Those are positive changes that are coming because of this. Yeah, that's exactly what I've been seeing. And I drive, drive, I still go out and do inspections out in these little towns. And there's people that probably have never been on a walk in their lives. And they're out there walking and getting out there and people getting creative with how they're doing happy hour. And they're all like in a park or all on a walk and they're all spread out, but they're all together. And it's just a different way of doing this. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of it. It will be. Okay, we can talk. We, we, we can talk about this this for like five hours. Let's get into some nuts and bolts and nerd <laughs> up garden stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just well, bring us back in, Michael. I, <laughs> bring us back in. <laughs> Dude, you get us three together, the end of the world will happen tomorrow, and we're going to figure out how we're to stop it. Let's it talk out. about some you gardening stuff. Before we do that, here's and we'll start to transition into gardening. So have you guys been hearing from Bootstrap or any of the Johnnies or anybody else that they're having troubles getting you seeds? Have there been any run on seeds? Are there trouble for you guys getting seeds? For me, yes. Um, it, and I think maybe a little bit for Michael, too. It's like Johnnies especially, they, they quit taking residential orders. I don't think they've reopened to that yet. They're strictly doing commercial, which isn't a problem. But for uh, for Michael and I, but the varieties have been a lot more limited on some of the stuff that I think both of us like to grow. Have you had troubles with it yet, Mike? Honestly, I haven't bought any seeds in a while. Um, and the stuff that I have, like the zucchini seed, I just bought at Lowe's because I only needed like 25 or 30 seeds. Yeah. You know, so I haven't ordered seeds online in a while. Only thing I can do is tell you what I've heard from other people. And like, there's several states out there that have banned seeds. Does not make any sense to me for any reason, and that's another rabbit hole. But I, yeah, I haven't had any problem getting seeds. I can go to Lowe's and buy anything I want to. So, guys, I have the new currency. I got stacks of Benjamins <laughs> right here. All <laughs> seeds. See that? I love it. <laughs> the tomato seeds are hundred dollar bills, and the radish seeds are pennies. Absolutely. <laughs> you thought gold was going to be it? No, man. We got squash. <laughs> that's been hey let's let's be honest the three of us we probably get more excited about uh 
seeing C packets than we do about money anyway, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Sad. Unfortunately, yep. So let's talk gardening, guys. I mean, as as farmers do or gardeners do, we sit around and we talk politics and drink coffee and think deep thoughts. And, you know, that's how the nation was built. But but gardening's where it's at and uh, or urban farming, if you will. You know, we had a really great conversation about container gardening. And if you guys just want to give any advice for new gardeners coming, we have a lot of people that are brand new, bought that shiny pack. Of seeds and they're going, okay, what do I do with this? I mean, any advice from you guys about starting a garden or starting a container garden, feel free to throw that in there. And then we can talk about some gar- typical gardening mistakes because I've got stripes. I know. <laughs> so what do you think? Drew, you want to start first? Sure. One thing I would recommend um, wherever you are in the country, get with your county extension office or get on their website if you're a noob and Pay attention. They usually have like really good guides as far as what to plant when. Make sure you're planting things at the proper time um, because that's something I've seen a lot of people do. Maybe I've even done it once or twice myself (laughs) by trying to plant something out of season, you know, and not realizing it. It's just a vegetable that you like to eat, you know, because carrots don't grow too well in July down here. You know what I mean? And uh, by and same thing on vice versa. You're not going to grow tomatoes too good in January. You know, and not everybody knows that. So I'd love to see like seasonal planting guides before you, you go make your selections, whether you're buying transplants or seeds, that'd be a real good place to start. Mr. Bell, how about Any you? Other Sorry, go ahead, Drew. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just asking if Michael had anything to add. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what Drew said is, is probably the biggest problem. They're like, Oh, I love carrots. Let's plant carrots. And like you said, it's July. And you can grow carrots in July in Texas, but you really got to know what you're doing. You got to water four times a day. You got to cut, like, you got to know what you're doing. But um, the other thing a lot of people don't understand, especially when they look at a package, is DTM, which stands for date to maturity. There's a big difference in tomatoes that's like, like, a, like a better bush is 55 days. And then you've got celebrities, which is 90 days, you know, just to give, a dip, just to give an example. So if you're a home gardener, figure out what, you know, I think one of the biggest things is know your DTM, know your date to maturity. And then that way you can kind of count backwards. You can count. I always count backwards. Like I live my life backwards, to be honest with you, because I'm always thinking ahead. And then I think backwards. Okay, this is where I want to be, you know, like June 1st earlier. I said I'm going to be selling June 1st. So I haven't planted radishes yet because they're only 21 to 25 days. So I'll plant those, you know, the first week of May so that they're ready June 1st. So I think dates and maturities are real big for new new gardeners because they just don't understand what that means. Yeah, and part of that, a real big part of that, especially for us that live up north, is our first first frost date or our last frost date and our first frost date. And up here, it's like May 11th is our last frost date and our first frost date is October 10th. And my God, it is like, just like that, it's, it, you can just do, you can, it's right there. And if you try to, if you try to get going too early and then you put stuff outside too early, uh, shoot, where did it go? Nuts, nuts, nuts. I don't know. Let's see if I can share this here. If you try to do that too early, then you get a problem, right? You get this. <laughs> you get a very, very sad things happening out in your garden, right? So this was actually in my garage, and this is comes back to a mistake 
that we'll talk about, but uh, these are poor seedlings that did not like Jack Frost. So, um, yeah, you really have to be careful with with days and when you're going to get that bad weather, that real cold stuff come through because it'll wipe out your plants. And and then you got to start all over. You've lost valuable time. Man, just hearing you you describe that your growing season, Tom, man, I just need to jump on a plane and just help you build a greenhouse, brother. <laughs> uh, Julie needs to hear this part. I'm going to clip that segment out and I'm going to give that to Julie. I know. I I've, uh, The reason the seedlings were outside in my garage was that, I didn't have anywhere to put them. So um, I just, I ran out of space in this little house. So I, I had to do something and, and I got screwed. So this, it's a mistake. It happens. It happens. And Michael Bell's smiling. Oh, my buddy just uh, got the fire lit pretty nice. So I'm happy now. <laughs> <laughs> you look happy, man. You look happy. We should be around the fire. This would be a great conversation around the fire. I'm telling you. Heck yeah. Dude. I, I don't yeah. think there's a there's not a better place I, uh, there's not a place I'd rather be than right here right now. Oh yeah, I love awesome. that man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So we have um, we have our timing. We have our frost dates. We have um, you know we talked about seeds as well. Um, I'm still seeing seeds at the um, I'm still seeing seeds at the store. I'm seeing potatoes at the store that you can buy and put in the ground. I would say, just from experience, you have to grow what you eat. Um, it doesn't help you to be- to grow a lot of kohlrabi if you don't eat the stuff, or radish if you don't eat the stuff, or even sweet potatoes if you don't eat the stuff. Um, so many people, I think, get excited about growing eggplant, and then they it's like, okay, great, I got this. What am I even going to do with it? So that is one yeah. advice I can give to new growers. I mean, bok choy, that was a wonderful plant. What the hell do you do with it? I don't even know, but somebody knows what they're doing with it. Right. <laughs> what do you do with it, by the way? I don't even know. I, I, I think, um, you know, along those lines, bud, I think you you grow one or two things through your first season, grow tomatoes and grow peppers, if you like those two things, which everyone does. And then the next year or the next season, add one thing and then maybe experiment with two or three plants of another. Like everybody that's ever started a garden starts too big with too many plants, too big, and they get overwhelmed and then they just give up and they hate gardening. Whereas if they just would have started small and one little tomato plant, I mean, I've been doing this five years commercially and my whole life every year. I'm like, that's only 15 tomato plants. I can fit five more. Let me go ahead and throw yes. five more seeds in the ground every stinking year. But oh, just I'm, start small. I'm, I do the same thing, Michael. I, every year in the springtime, I'm always like, Oh man, I could, I could easily fit one more row of tomatoes easily. I could, I could get those going. <laughs> Dude, I'm looking at my house tonight, man. I'm like, I'm growing them in buckets this year in my backyard, just like you are. And I'm like, oh yeah, man, I could fit three or four more back here on this driveway, no problem. <laughs> and in the, yeah, and in nine, ten weeks from now, they're eight feet tall, and it looks yep. like you have evergreen trees. And, <laughs> and your wife is killing you, hating your name, like cutting the plants out so she can get into her car. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, my, mine does that even without the garden stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's good because uh, Greg Burns, um, Nature's Image Farm up in Ohio, he was here. We did a podcast and that hit that dropped this week. And he said that uh, during the podcast, he said, tomatoes are the gateway drug. 
And that is like your entrance into gardening is a tomato. I mean, you get tall, you get these beautiful pieces of fruit. I mean, you got to deal with some blossom and rot. We can help you with that. All three of us can. But yeah, tomatoes are a great way to start, you know, and peppers definitely. And you're almost there to salsa, right? There you go. Yeah. The salsa garden is a great way to go. Okay. We got a little bit of time before this session ends and we can jump into the next one and and we'll be good. Um, Any other advice for newbies? What you can think of? Uh, Pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Just like just observation is the biggest thing in the world with gardening. Just observation. The best tool. The best tool you have. Hours of observation for sure. And patience patience i mean you gotta have it's like fishing it's not called catching you're growing things it's going to take time and <laughs> if you try to rush it too much you get frost and kill all your seedlings so yeah that's two years now i've done stupid things with my seedlings so <laughs> next all right looks like you guys are in hopefully this is a lot of fun i do appreciate it boys how are the uh, containers doing michael man they're doing really well right now oh yeah my, yeah my tomatoes look great i went ahead and um mulch the hell out of the top layer of my uh of my tomatoes today cool i I watered them really deep and then uh threw some wood chips and mulch on top of them to kind of hold in the moisture Mm. and i'm I'm using the oreos too so oh nice that's awesome yeah the small ones fit really well in there cool well that's great i'm glad things are rocking dude yeah i've been i've been really happy i've just got to figure out what to do with my my radishes and beets and stuff because i just can't get anything to grow in this damn soil Ugh, I, I just can't believe the clay and the water issues we're having there, dude. Yeah, I added some, uh, you've heard of black cow before? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went and bought several bags of the black cow um, and mixed them with that, with my normal, um, the same compost I've been using. So I'm hoping okay. maybe, because that, that compost that I'm using has no animal manure in it at all. It's just all composted carbon. Yeah, leaves and twigs. Yeah. And- stuff that it would, grows yeah it, it looks really good i just think it lacks a little bit to grow really high quality high feeders like beets and radishes and stuff so i'm hoping yep. that black cow does does a little bit better job with them yeah the worm castings that i've added to my soil mix uh potting mix for the seedlings it just it's amazing the uh the rapid growth i've been really pleased with that so that was a good call michael dude that stuff's incredible isn't it mm-hmm. it's amazing yeah Totally good stuff. And I need to have some worms, but anyway. All right, gentlemen. So we got a lot of new people entering the gardening world and they're going to make some mistakes. And all of us right here, we've never made mistakes. Never. We've never (laughs) screwed up. (laughs) And we are ringleaders of our own um, stuff show, shall we say. So um, what are, what, what do y'all think about some mistakes and how, what people should avoid? Obviously we talked about not growing all of the things and that is one, I mean, that's something that happens where suddenly you have 144 tomato seedlings going up and you're like, Oh, I got to plant all of them. So not growing too much is one. What else, what else do you think guys? I've got one uh, right off the top of my head and kind of depends on on what style of garden you're going to be doing. Um, but if you're doing like in-ground plantings um, or building beds for the first time, um, not prepping the groundwork properly. And mm-hmm. in particular, not taking care of the weeds and the vegetation that are in place. I can't tell you how many times. And I see this a lot at the community garden level. 
Um, but definitely backyard gardens too, where everybody is enthusiastic. They, they put down compost or whatever, and they don't take care of that vegetation properly. Um, and the weeds just take the whole place over. And then like Michael was saying earlier, they get discouraged and give up and never, never want to put the spade in the ground again. Yeah, that's so big. Um, I think for a raised bed, you can use what I've used in the past, which worked out great, is a layer of cardboard and then put landscape fabric fabric over that. And then you put your raised bed on that and then put your dirt on top. So you're, you're killing, yes, you know, you're killing that off. And I know Michael's got some interesting ways he kills off the weeds and in, in his farm. So what do you think, Michael? Yeah, the cardboard's really good. I'm using a lot of cardboard here at my new farm just because my soil sucks so bad that I need carbon in the ground and the worms will come up. Cardboard is like crack cocaine to a worm. Mm. It's crazy, isn't it? I I can put down, I could dig a 10 foot hole in my ground and not find one worm right now. But, or when I first bought the place, but now that I put down cardboard and even wood chips and stuff, I can scoop back the wood chips and pull up the cardboard and there's 10 worms underneath that cardboard eating away. And, you know, worms do so much more than just poop. They aerate the, the soil because they yep. dig canals and everything in there. So definitely learn how to use cardboard. Um, but I think what Tom was referring to is I use billboard signs to prep my land to kill off the grass. And it's, it's worked better than I ever thought it would. Um, and you have to use billboard signs. You can use, well, actually, I have a couple of spots that I'm using um, corrugated sheet iron because I don't want to waste the whole tarp on like a four foot by 10 foot spot. So yeah. I got some corrugated sheet iron and I just laid down and threw a tire on top of it. And, you know, it's killing the grass. The main thing is to not let the grass have any sunlight for as long as you can possibly wait. The longer you wait, the better chance you're not going to deal with grass and weeds and everything you want to. It's called seeds, um, uh, sterilizing your seed bed. You know, during the summer, it works re- really well in Texas because it's 110 just walking around. Underneath the black billboard signs, probably 150. So it just scorches those seeds. And I don't have seed, you know, I don't have weed pollen anymore. But again, back to Tom's point, you know, before was you got to have patience. You just got to be patient and let those billboard signs or whatever you decide to use do their job. But in the long run, it's worth every second of just just waiting. Yeah, no doubt. And you can even check, right? Like you can you can set your cardboard down in your backyard, you know. And and every so often, you can pick it up. Let a month go by. Go pick it up. See what see the work it's doing, and and, and then kind of get a get an idea of when that vegetation layer is, is nice and killed off under there, and you're ready to plant. But yeah, the longer you can wait, the better. The more sure you're going to be that you don't have anything super aggressive like johnson grass or something that's going to want to try to break through yeah and i've used uh, yep, exactly. a tarp just a regular brown tarp with a silver back on it i've had that down and and put stuff on top so it doesn't blow away and kept that on there for for a while and killed everything off underneath it works and uh, you can get really creative like taking a flame weeder and flaming that stuff off if you want but since a lot of people are going to be low cost and, and just jumping into this, um, you know, just the tarp will work pretty good. Um, what I, you- I did that too. I doubled up. I, I Let me interrupt yep. real quick. I doubled up this year just because I'm starting a brand new farm and I hate weeds and grass so damn much. I doubled up. I've, I laid down the billboard signs 
And then when I pulled them back, there were still some clumps. I don't know what kind of grass it is. I won't tell you what I call it, <laughs> but it's a very bad word. And <laughs> I just went ahead and I took my flame weeder and spent four hours one day. And I, I think he said he flamed it. <laughs> he burned it. Y'all still there? Yeah, I'm, I'm here, guys. Okay. Sorry. I'm in. Yep. Yep. No. And he's got a video on his uh, Instagram where he was, he was burning all that stuff off. It was pretty cool. And who doesn't like to play with fire, right? I'm telling you. No doubt. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Now, what do y'all think about the person that says, you know what? Grandma and grandpa had this massive garden in the backyard. I'm just going to go to Lowe's or Home Depot or Menards or whatever you got or the rental place. I'm just going to get a rototiller and just till the the backyard up and start throwing seeds. And what do y'all say about that? Man, I, you're going to hate think, your life in four weeks. <laughs> yes. I think, honestly, man, Michael hit the nail on the head earlier when he talked about, like, new gardeners just really need to start off small. You know, grow you a, a couple of plants of something that you that you really enjoy eating, and then just go from there. Grow from there. Just kind of fan that flame a little bit that first season. It, it'll come in time. Yeah, completely agree, Drew. I would, I, like I said, I would almost do container. Like if, if I wanted to have a garden this summer, uh, I would go ahead and do a container garden this summer and prep my, prep my ground and then have a full, full size garden in the fall. There you go. That way I, that way I get to garden during the summer, but, and you know, kind of scratch that itch. But in the fall, I'm ready to go with a nice clean seed bed. There you go. I yeah. love it. I think, what, it's, Michael. Let, let me ask you something, man, because I, I know you grow a lot in containers, and I think more so this year than ever, just because uh, while you're getting your ground prep down there. What are some veggies that you like for container gardening? What's what's done well for you? Tomatoes are doing awesome. Peppers are doing really well. Um, I'll be honest, the radishes and the beets have not done well. Uh, can't tell you why, but they haven't. Um, I, and I'm farming in either 25 gallon or 45 gallon pots. Like these aren't five gallon buckets from home Depot. These are those massive buckets that, that, um, landscape companies use to plant trees in transplant trees out of. So, I mean, these are good size buckets and I don't know exactly why the radishes and the beets haven't done well. Um, I kind of want to blame it on the soil. I, I was telling Tom earlier, I've started using a lot more of that black cow uh, bagged uh, manure stuff to mix in with the uh, compost that I'm using because the compost that I'm using uh, only has uh, green stuff, you know, twigs and grass and stuff that was composted. So if you're going to do container Uh, garden, you you need to learn, you know, what NPK is and, and all that. You just can't buy a bag of, compost and throw it in the ground and expect you to get tomatoes because tomatoes are extremely high feeders no doubt you, you gotta you gotta fertilize that first year especially and you can do it organically you can use all organic methods but you're really going to have to apply for you're going to have to add fertility to those to those gardens throughout the growing season at least that's yeah. always been my experience um one thing you know one that i love growing in a container one veggie that i just love um, and that's green onions. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a pot that I have at my farm that I started from the, the green onions. Like I used them, you know, cut them off at the roots and then planted the roots. And I'm still, I'm in the fourth year of harvesting off of those same, that same pot. 
So I like the fact that that's one you can plant and you can have that like eternally practically as part of your garden, you know? Yeah, Drew, but I think that's cheating. Uh, anybody can grow green onions anywhere, buddy. That's like saying it gets hot in Texas. <laughs> I mean, what I did and it worked real great is I was at Aldi or Walmart or whatever. I got the green onions. I used the tops of them, the root side. I, I just put those in some water. The roots started to grow. They started to grow taller and I, and I put them right in my wicking beds and they did great last year. Um, and this year I've started the process over again and I've got them in a, um, I don't know, this little two, I don't know, I don't know 18 inch by whatever, three inch thing, uh, planter that you get at Menards or Lowe's or whatever. And, uh, we're going to see what happens, but yeah, they, they'll grow anywhere and, it, and it's great. Cause you can use them on baked potatoes or salads or whatever you do. So yes, you can grow them anywhere. If, if you're not, if you've never grown anything before and you're questioning yourself as a gardener, get green onions. Because they will boost your self-esteem very quickly because they're extremely easy to grow. <laughs> exactly. That's yes. right. Um, as far as what I grow um, in containers, and I've got wicking beds. I've done raised beds. Um, wicking beds, I, they're 257-gallon watering troughs that have converted into a wicking bed. Um, kind of looks like this. Wait, like that. Anyway, that's backwards. But anyway, we'll do a post on that or a podcast on that. But um, I've done three gallon grow bags as well. But I've done peppers, cucumbers, uh, tomatoes, potatoes, um, green onions, all kinds of stuff. So um, I've I found that tomatoes grow great. The peppers are growing wonderful. Um, even potatoes did really good in those wicking beds. So you can do a lot in a in a really small space. I even had what I called a salsa garden, which was just a two by four. Um, raised bed essentially, and I had tomatoes, peppers, and some onion in there, and it's all the elements you need to uh, to start a salsa, a batch of salsa. So, or throw it in a soup or a salad. You know, you can do all kinds of stuff with that stuff. Tom, I've seen your your photos. I keep up with your Instagram posts, and I've seen it looks like you've really got the the container garden figured out, man. What do you do for fertility? Are you fertilizing much? And if so, what are you using? Yeah, that's a great question. So. Um, Last year, I was reusing soil from a raised bed, gar- a couple of raised bed gardens, and I will be very honest: I didn't add anything to the soil, nothing. And that stuff had uh, my in-laws. I think they had used Miracle Grow or other stuff in years past, so there was fertility in the soil. Now the wicking beds, two hundred and fifty-seven gallon beds, I had great worms in there. I mean, I had wonderful worms in there. Every time I scooped up to harvest potatoes, I was finding night crawlers. I was finding finding all kinds of worms in there. So wow. they were really adding fertility to the soil this year. Um, I'll be looking at you know. Uh, bone meal, you know, more, try to do it more organically. I want to have more worm yeah. castings. I want to add compost to it. Uh, I use leaf mulch every year so that I rake up the leaves in my yard and I put them all in the, in the bed and that all starts to break down during the winter. And now in the summer, it'll break down by, by June, July, you won't see any leaves anymore in that soil. So I'm trying to do it more organically. I, I, I struggle with throwing a bunch of salt and petroleum based fertilizer on there. I mean, I have used 10, 10, 10 in the past, you know, stuff you get at big box store. And, and I have used, um, more of the organic stuff like the seaweed, uh, King Neptune type stuff before I've used that as well. So I'm going to be trying to use a little more organic type stuff this year, stuff that's sustainable stuff. We can, we can make ourselves essentially, 
uh, you know, just in case we can't, you know, it's non-essential. Well, what happens to the fertilizer? Not going to be using that anymore, right? So we're going to have to figure that right. out. I've used coffee grounds before. I've used Epsom salts before. Um, in fact, that's one of the areas that I constantly get pinged on is, oh, you're using coffee grounds and coffee teas, um, like, a, you know, putting the used coffee in a, in a five-gallon bucket and aerating it and, and creating a tea. Um, oh, there's a lot of acid in there. Well, there's also some nitrogen in there. So, you know, it's a, it's sure. a balancing act. So, um I'm, try, I'm going to be trying to explore that more this year. So, Hey, Tom, if you'll remind me, and Drew, remind me too, I'll, I'll get it to you. I bought this stuff from my nursery, and I, I don't think they make it, but it's under their label. And um, it's got probably 30 different things in it. It's got bat guano. It's got guano. Uh, I can't even tell you everything. that I'll send both of you a picture of the label. But I am put, I'm putting it. I'm putting a ton of it in all my tomato tubs because they're such high feeders yeah. that, you know, it, it can't hurt anything, but it's got the rock phosphate. Mm-hmm. It's got kelp, seaweed, stuff that I ain't never heard of that I looked up on the internet and it's like geology stuff. <laughs> like, I'm not lying. Like this stuff, if I have great tomatoes this year, I'm going to repackage it and sell it as my own formula because <laughs> I'm not lying to you. Uh, but I'll, I'll send both of y'all some of it, and you can just try it. Because they said to put a handful of it in a five-gallon bucket, so I put two handfuls of it <laughs> on each side of my twenty-five-gallon buckets for because I do two tomatoes in each in a twenty-five-gallon bucket. And I'll, I'll send y'all some with the label, and y'all can test it out. Because I really, my theory is, the more natural, organic stuff you can put in there, the better. Like you can't put too much of anything in there. I don't think organically. No, I agree. You just improve the soil with those amendments. I, I believe you're right about that, man, for sure. This, so, this, in fact, I, oh, go ahead. in fact, I bought a rabbit. Like I bought my kids a rabbit two weeks ago, just so I could have the rabbit poop for my for my farm. That's it. I spent like a hundred bucks on a cage and fifty bucks on a stupid rabbit, just so I could go out there and harvest the poop once a once a week, just to put in my garden, my money, yeah. my buckets at my farm. Yeah, rabbit poop and chicken poop and turkey poop, that kind of stuff is really good. Um, I don't think you have to age that stuff so much. Maybe the chicken and, and turkey do, but the rabbit poop can go right in and yeah. it'll break right down. It's really good. Um, you can even put it on top and then water it, and it waters down. Like, it just soaks in. You don't have to bury it or anything. Just throw it on top, water it in, and those nutrients just soak down. One of the things that... Um, kind of going with your guano rock dust stuff, uh, rock dust and, um, the mitt lighter folks, mitt lighter or growfood.com, I think is their site, but it's the mitt lighter method of, of gardening. They fertilize the heck out of their soil and it's, they call it medium. I mean, it's soil and it's sand and peat moss and they're just fertilizing the snot out of this stuff, but they do have a mixture and it's all the micronutrients, you know, and they've got a bag of this stuff and you can add that to your soil. And it's actually pretty good. I've had really good luck with it. And, um, you know, of course they want you to mix it with 10, 10, 10, or even higher, you know, those even more powerful fertilizers, and then just dump this stuff on your, your garden weekly. 
Um, but I, I have found the micronutrients, you know, these plants need micronutrients just like we do, you know, they have to have the elements to grow. So I was thinking about getting some more of that stuff and, and playing around with it a little bit more, but it sounds like the stuff you've got, Michael, it is that with some extra goodies with it. And it's not, yep. and you're I'll not just, you some. yeah, and it's not just throwing it in, in fertilizer and creating my own miracle grow. No, but that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what do y'all think about Miracle Grow and and new farmer, new gardeners uh, throwing like Miracle all this Miracle Grow on it and and other amendments? What do y'all think of that? Don't use it, like it's all, it, and not so much because it's so bad for you, but it kills all the good stuff in your soil, like the fertilizer, the the, the Miracle Grow, and all the. In my opinion, it gets down there and it's too strong for all the little microbes and the bacteria and the good stuff that your plants need. It's just too hot. It's too much. Too much of anything is not good. I think it's too much, you know, too much chemicals and it just kills everything that your that that your uh, your plants really need on a on a smaller level. Man, I couldn't agree more. I think I've seen more harm than good. For people using uh, synthetic fertilizers like that, especially ones that have pretty high analysis, like some of the miracle grows tend to have, where people don't know what they're doing yet, and they just they think, you know, well, if a little bit is good, a lot is better, and they just want to sock that stuff to their plants, and then you end up with too much salt in the, so- in the soil, or you burn your young plant roots. Um, so, and, and let's be honest, as, as home growers, you don't need to push your plants that hard. You know, you're going to get a plenty of yield. You don't, you know, you're not trying to, you're not that thousand acre uh, farm that we're talking about earlier where you're needing to maximize production to make money. You're going to get plenty of yield if you just take care of your plants on a regular basis. So, yeah, I think you can leave all the heavy, heavy synthetic fertilizers alone and just go with a more natural fertilizer to that, that first season, especially while you're, while you're learning what you're doing. Yeah, that's just it. You'll burn out everything if you just keep dumping that stuff in there. And and they make it so easy. You get a miracle Girl stick. You just put the stick in there. You pellets or the mix it with water, all these different products. And man, sometimes I think they just make that stuff so you buy product. <laughs> oh, for sure. Absolutely. And this is big coming from a hydroponic guy where you're putting, you know, mixing the water and you got all this, these rafts and the EFT, you know, all these different NFT systems and all this going and you're using all this kind of stuff. So I get it, man. (laughs) It's funny. The only way I I always tell people, I always try to be quick to explain the the great thing about the hydro systems is uh, this, the, the stuff that we use, it never goes out into the environment. It stays right there in those beds that I'm growing. It never goes to the, to watershed or anything it just stays right there yeah no i think that yeah you made that point and that's that's one point that always stuck with me from our conversation and and uh and and i really appreciate that so we lost michael here so we'll see if he comes back in maybe his phone died who knows but uh anything else that um and i know you're probably going to have to go real soon it's it's after you know after your bedtime, probably because I know you get up and crap <laughs> dawn to run like a crazy man. Uh, any other advice that you have, Mister Drew? And let me think. Um, we talked about you know not trying to, to bite off more than you can chew that first season. Um, carefully selecting varieties, you know, based on the season that you're planting in, and also things that you like. Um, not overusing fertilizers. 
I feel like we've, we've covered it pretty good. Yeah. And then definitely uh, the, the part about properly preparing um, your ground. There is one other thing that I would encourage people to do for sure, though. And that's to uh, try and find other other gardeners in your area that have been doing it for a while. If you have, you know, if your grandma has a great garden and she's still around and kicking, by all means, reach out to her. Or if it's your neighbor or people at the local community garden who look like they're doing a great job, there's good resources in your area. And you'll find that, if you know, people like us, people who love to grow, we also love to talk about growing, right? <laughs> I love it when my friends uh, chirp at me with, with gardening questions. So you'll find, man, if you're a newcomer, that just connect to a, a, another seasoned gardener and ask them questions, and you'll you'll find they're going to love talking to you about that all day oh, long. Absolutely. Finding a mentor is so key, and maybe something, maybe that sweet basil doesn't grow in your your neck of the woods, but maybe there's another variety that will, that doesn't get downy mildew and you can grow acres of this stuff and it just takes off and, but you don't know. And maybe there's a certain tomato variety that, Hey, yeah, you can get that brandy wine or that early girl or whatever, but maybe there's something that really grows well in your region. And maybe that's what you should be growing. Why keep fighting the, or maybe there's a certain bug that just eats eats up your squash, but there's another variety that they won't touch. Yeah. Or, you know, there's tricks and, and ideas out there that, uh, you know, whenever I go to a garden, and whether it's Big Tex Urban Farms when I come down there, or Michael Bell, wait. Or, or the community garden near my house, whenever I go in there, I always learn something. And it's just observing again and seeing what other people do and what they're trying, you get ideas. And I would really encourage people to do that and getting a mentor. That is so key, man. And that's what really what I'm trying to do is to provide information. And that's why I love having you and Michael and others on. You guys have so much information and, and knowledge in there. I just got to tease it out of you. I tell you what, man, you're, you're doing a great job yourself, man. Like oh, I say, I love seeing your, your gardening photos. Um, may have had one, one little mishap last night the other night but uh i've done it i've had so many of them you couldn't even shake a stick at it man <laughs> dude if your red solo cup had ice it was totally frozen and had ice in the bottom you know you're doing it wrong <laughs> unless you got a cocktail or something i don't know <laughs> right yes it depends on the context of that solo cup. yes context is key um cool man well i i don't want to keep you long and um is there a where can we find you? I'll, I'll put all Michael's stuff in there. Obviously, he's a big Instagram guy, and that's where you find him and, and uh, Dallas Half Acre Farm on Instagram. But where can we find you, Mr. Demler? What, where can we see what you're doing and up to? There's actually quite a few places. So you could, we could start with, with my company, um, the State Fair Texas website. We have some good content. I actually have a couple of microgreens um, videos on there right now, and that's at cool. bigtex.com. Um, then on my personal Instagram, just my name, D-R-E-W-D-E-M-L-E-R. And every so often, occasionally on Twitter, and my handle is uh, Farmer Spaceman. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, I really appreciate the work you're doing down there and everything you're doing. You are one busy guy. And that's why I call you the Texas Tornado. And I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful that you're, you're part of the show and, and that, you know, I could have an opportunity to interview you again because I just love talking with you. So. Oh, man. Well, I'm a huge fan of your show. It's oh, a big honor every time I get to do it. I really appreciate your content, man. I can't tell you how many days I spend at my farm 
you know, especially when I get busy doing the outside work. I love to throw on my, my, my headphones and listen to a podcast, and a lot of times it's cool. yours, man. Hey, I appreciate that, dude. Nice. Ding! <laughs> This has been a production of Small Scale Life Media. See, you, you're a genius all along, right? Now you've got the perfect model all along, right, Michael? Tom, <laughs> please send me that 10-second clip where he just said, you're a genius. <laughs> like, I'm just yep. going to make that my phone ring. Like Every time Drew calls me, that's what's going to show up on my phone is, you're a genius. That's my new ringtone for Drew calling me.